listening to Divorce Happy Hour with your host, Christina Previtt. And John Nocklinger. We're two divorce lawyers from New Jersey here to talk about love, life, and divorce. Whether you're thinking about divorce, going through one now, or been there, done that, or if you're just a divorce voyeur, this show is for you. To learn more about us and our law firm, you can find us at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. You can also find us on social media. Just search for NJ Divorce Solutions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know if you like the show or hate the show and what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Please keep in mind that this show is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to take the place of legal advice. If you need legal advice, please call New Jersey Divorce Solutions at 732-384-1550 and mention this program for a free consultation. Hey, everybody. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And something that has perplexed me for a very long time and something that um, I think sort of needs to be addressed with anybody who is not happy, not happy in their marriage or not happy in their relationship and has been thinking about how they need to address that. So what typically happens is I'll have somebody come in for a consultation and we'll spend an hour talking. Most of the time they don't ask me legal questions. They might ask a few, but most of the time, and sometimes it's sort of odd, they don't ever ask a legal question. But what they do is tell me all the reasons why they're not happy in their marriage, what their husband or wife is doing that upsets them or or maybe not even blaming them for anything but just generally talking about how they don't they don't feel like they're happy in their marriage or whatever their situation is sometimes they go on sometimes they do blame and you know talk about all the things that they hate about their spouse and all these terrible things that this person does to them and then when you get to the end you say well let's move forward and they say well I need to think about it And I'm always floored by that because I'm always thinking, but what do you need to think about? What are you thinking about? Because you just spent an hour telling me how you hate this person, how they're mean to you, all the disrespectful things they do to you. You know, maybe they'll never go on vacation. You haven't been on vacation in five years because they won't go. Maybe you haven't had sex in five years. I mean, that's very common. I've heard longer. But then they need to think about it. So I want to know, what are they thinking about? What is there to think about? I will ask them that. I've started asking them. What are you thinking about? What is it that you need to think about? Oh, I don't know. It's always vague. It's always, I just, I don't know. I just have to make sure it's the right time. And I have to, you know, consider my children. And I don't want to upset them. Sometimes, a lot of times there's guilt about leaving the partner. Um, So there's a lot of different reasons. But I will be very honest. My feelings about that is that you're just making excuses. You are postponing because it's uncomfortable, it's a hard decision. You know that you're you're telling someone something maybe they don't wanna hear. Maybe you're afraid your family will disapprove, your friends will disapprove. Another big one, I'm never gonna find anyone again. 
That's what I hear a lot too. And if you had a friend who said those things to you, you would probably think that's ridiculous. Of course, you're going to find someone again or, you know, it's easy when it's someone else to, to see that a lot of those fears are kind of irrational and they're not a reason to postpone. But when it's yourself, it's harder to see that. So I wanted to address those things today. And Sean, is, this is a dialogue you have too, right? Yeah. I, what I always find interesting is, is um, someone's in the office. They made an appointment to come see an attorney. And then after they tell you, as you were just saying, all these horrible things about their spouse, all the reasons why they need to end this marriage, um, because they're deeply unhappy. And they recognized on some level that they're entitled to be happy and that they should be able to be happy. And that being in this marriage is not going to do that for them. They're in, their, they're in the office. They get a lot of information. And then at the end, it's, well, I need to think about it. Or even my more favorite is they ask you what they should do. And you just, yeah. and I just stare at people and I'm like, first of all, I tell them all, I'm not a therapist. My job here is when you've made the decision to proceed, I'm going to help you through the process, but you've got to make the decision to proceed. But what I've done more recently is, um, as you were just saying, Christina, is when they tell you all the reasons why they, uh, why the marriage is bad, I have made a more of a concerted effort now to write them down so that whenever at the end they either ask what should they do or they need to think about it, they can be reminded of all the things they just told you about all these horrible things. I say horrible. All these things that are making them deeply Well, angry. it is horrible because is if horrible. you're in a relationship that's not satisfying and sometimes people are in abusive relationships or quasi-abusive relationships, you know, maybe it technically is an abuse, but I think when you're with someone who you know, doesn't respect you, doesn't respect your, your feelings and the things that you want in your life. Maybe that's not technically abuse, but I feel like, I personally feel like on some level it is. Well, I'll tell you, we have, I've represented a client, um, and I don't think she would be upset for me to use this, uh, to talk a little bit about this, um, had not had sex with her husband in, I believe, 10 plus years. Uh, had children that she didn't want to disappoint, thought the kids would be very upset. And she didn't want to get divorced because her husband's a really nice guy and a really good husband. I mean, a really good uh, father. But, you know, there's... She just she, wasn't happy she's anymore. She's not in love anymore. And she... You know what happened is she she needed permission from me to be happy. And it was bizarre that she, like some people just need somebody else to give them permission. And it's really an interesting thing. It's like, like, you know, because I don't know if people don't want to talk to their friends or family about it and they just need somebody else. But sometimes it's just about someone giving them permission to move forward and telling them what they already know, which is the kids will be okay. Your, your husband, who's a really nice guy, is going to be okay. He'll land on his feet. He'll learn how to cook his own meals. Because that was one thing. You know, she talked to me about there. Well, that would never be my concern. <laughs> I'd be like, who's going to cook for me? <laughs> but, yeah, but you know what? I, I do find there's some people that need permission. There's some people that um, want to just hear, you know, somebody tell them you should get divorced. And then there's other people, and I think you started with this. When they say I need to think about it, I'm really perplexed at what what's going to happen. Have you talked to those people before? 
the, the first thing they tell you is, well, I talked to an attorney a couple of years ago. Oh, I get that a lot. And I have started saying to them, well, you, I don't want you to come back to me four years from now and us be having the exact same conversation. Because we will. We will. Yeah. And I think when they say, oh, I have to think about it, I don't think what they really mean is that they need to think about it. I think what it means, I'm not ready to say, yes, I'm ready to, to move forward. I'm not ready to say, yes, let's sign a retainer. That's really what that means. I'm not ready to do it yet. I see them as like, you know, a kid that's on a diving board on the deep end of the pool and you're trying to coax them to just dive in. It's, you know, that fear. Like we've all experienced that, right? The first time we were on the diving board, you're, you're terrified. To, you, I mean, you see it, you see the water, like, you know, you're going to be fine, but you know, you, you need to take that step and just jump off the diving board. So how much, coax, how much coaxing should you do to a client when they're in here? Well, when I get someone that comes in, I don't feel like it's my responsibility to coax them. You know, I feel like I'm trying to help them make a decision. And some people listening might be saying, oh, you just want them, you just want their money. You just yeah. want them to sign the retainer because you want the business. That's really not true. It really does break my heart when I see somebody come in and I see that they're so unhappy. And obviously they've been thinking about it a long time and something has made them come in and make an appointment and actually come here and talk to me. They didn't just start thinking about this a few weeks ago. So something has tr triggered that. Um, you know, they're somewhere psychologically in the process where they're we're ready to come talk to me. So it breaks my heart when I see someone who really, they know what they need to do in their heart of hearts. They know that it's time to end the relationship and they just can't bring themselves to do it. And so they just push it to the wayside and they make all these excuses and they try to justify staying together. And, and they convince themselves that I'm doing it for my children. And I'm just going to call bullshit on that. I hope I can say that word. Oh, <laughs> well, I think you can because we're only podcast okay. now. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't mean to sound insensitive that, yes, you, you should be concerned about your children. But I think there are other ways to help your children through that that don't include you just staying and being miserable. It's That's not the answer. If you're really concerned about your children, you should be concerned about what kind of environment am I creating at home with my spouse that they are seeing? Because leaving sometimes is the best thing that you can do for them. And you know, we talked about this earlier, John, and I'll, I'll say it again. Really think about what kind of environment you have at home that your children see. Are they seeing a loving, happy couple? Are they seeing two people that treat each other with respect and dignity and love? Are they seeing two people that are affectionate with each other? Are they seeing two people that go out together and are social and support each other emotionally? Is that what they see? Or are they seeing two people that clearly can't stand each other, two people that disrespect each other, that talk nasty to each other, that don't do things together, Maybe they see two people that sleep in separate bedrooms. When we have toddlers, we see how they mimic everything we do. They just copy you. 
like little mimes. I don't think that that changes when they get older. They're still looking to you to model behavior for them. So when you, you are teaching them how to ha have a relationship and how to have a marriage. So think about what you're teaching them. What are you modeling? That would terrify me because I wouldn't, if I was in a bad situation like that, I would be really scared for what is my daughter and my son seeing? Are they going to grow up and think that that's just normal? That's just how marriage is. That's just how people treat each other. That would scare the shit out of me. So I would invite people to think about that. When you start telling yourself that dialogue, like, oh, well, my kids really need their two parents. They need two parents. And guess what? They'll have two parents when their parents are divorced. But they need more than that. They don't just need two warm bodies living together in the, under the same roof. They need more than that. So that is something that I would ask people to consider. Yeah, kids are... One, I think probably the number one excuse why people don't move forward. With it's the kids. It's the kids. And I have a good friend of mine. I did his divorce recently, but he was miserable for years, years. He every like six months, he would call me. I'm ready. I can't take this anymore. He'd move out of the house and then he'd move back in and then he'd move out and then he'd move back in. I was like, why are you doing this? He has kids. Yeah. Like, just stop it. So the kids are seeing him move. Yes. Out the, of the kids house. are seeing all of this. And, and they were greatly affected by all of that. You know, what kids want, they want mom and dad to get along. That's what they want. They don't, they don't need mom and dad to be living in the same house. They will adjust to separate households. What they need is to see mom and dad getting along and respecting each other. That's the number one thing that they need. And I'm happy to have a psychologist come on and affirm that because that is what I, I firmly agree. believe. I agree so much with that. I mean, you take a teenager, for example. If all mom and dad do all the time, or mom and mom, or dad and dad, if all they do is they sit and fight all the time in the house, teenagers probably going in their bedroom, closing the door, putting on their headphones, and ignoring yeah. everything going on in the house. They're like, oh God, here we go again. Mom yeah. and dad are fighting again. I'll have to listen to this. That's, I mean, think about that. Is that what's happening in your house? The other thing I want to say too is don't listen to your friends. You know, they've got all their own pathology. They don't, you don't need that. You have your own pathology. You're trying to get rid of that, right? You're trying to fix that. And then you've got these people telling you what, what they think you should do. Who cares what they think you should do? Because they're not neutral. That's why I always recommend a counselor because that person is neutral. They're objective. They're removed from the situation. They don't know all the people involved. They're just going to give you an honest opinion, you know, from a professional standpoint. So, you know, I've heard people say, well, I asked my friend, you know, what she thought. And she just said, you know what? Everybody's miserable in their marriage. You should just stick <laughs> with the poison, you know. Does that sound like good advice? So because she's miserable, you should stay and be miserable too. You know, that advice is just as bad as the friend who got divorced and got what she thinks is an incredible result. And you should never accept what your attorneys suggest that you accept because I got this great yeah. result and well, you that, did so much better. That's like a whole other no, but, conversation. But, but, it goes but yes, to, you shouldn't talk, sort of the same. Don't talk to your friends. And I mean, yeah. a therapist is so important. I mean, in so many different respects. This is kind of on the opposite side of what we're talking about, but the person that comes into the office who just found out their spouse is cheating on them 
They found out last night, and they're in an attorney's office the next day. Yeah. Those people, different kind of uh, advice I usually give. I really don't like those people to start a divorce at that juncture, unless it's something that's been going on for a while, because it's so raw. Everything's so raw, and they're just not in a good place. So those people, I really, they'll start a divorce even against my advice, but I really want them to go talk to somebody first and make sure, you know, you're getting divorced for the right reasons. But the person that we've been talking about is someone who's been thinking about it for years. Yeah, a lot of times they have. In some cases, I mean, you've talked to these people. There's some people who've been thinking about it for 10, 15 years. I had a lady that hadn't had sex with her husband in 10 years, and they were sleeping in separate bedrooms for years. So they're roommates who just like to fight with each other, probably. I don't even know how much communication they even engaged in. I don't think they talked. They, they were just probably like ships separate. passing in the night. They lived like separate nothing. lives. They live separate lives. It's almost like when your spouse has kind of just become like a plant <laughs> in the house. Like, it's just, you know, a matter of fact that they just live there and you have separate lives. You know, what kind of, what kind of life is that? And what I would suggest is when your friends start offering their opinions... You know, their lives aren't perfect. You need to think about what you need to be happy and what's, what your standards are. Live your life by your standards, not everyone else's standards. I don't know, Christiana. It looks like on Facebook everyone's got a perfect Oh, yeah, life. they're all perfect on Facebook. <laughs> but, you know, if you're, let's say your girlfriend is like, you know what, I, don't have, I have sex with my husband like once a year and that's enough for me. Well, that's great. If she's really happy with that, then that's great. More power to her. But if that's not the life you want, then you need to set that standard for yourself. You can't, you can't look for other people's approval or disapproval of whether you should be in a marriage or you know whether you should be getting a divorce. And I do see that influence a lot. There was a lady recently that I met with who had decided that her husband was just not she used the expression soulmate that he just wasn't and you know she respects him and she thinks he's a very nice man and he's a good father but she just felt like there was no physical attraction and there's just there was there was just nothing else there it was a friendship and she didn't want to have a marriage like that um but she felt a tremendous amount of guilt leaving him because she knew that he didn't want a divorce and he wanted her to stay in the marriage. And then on top of that, she had her mother who basically just was against divorce and just said, you know, that's it. You're married. You took a vow and you need to just be with him forever. And those influences are really strong. Like we, we care as much as we don't want to. We do care what our parents think. Even when we're grownups, we care. But... Again, you're the one who lives that life every day. You're the, you get one life and it's yours. You get to do what you want with it. So I know it's difficult to overcome when your parents are disappointed in you because you're getting a divorce or, you know, you've got disapproval from other places. That's really difficult. I would just ask you to really consider what you want and what you need to feel happy in your life and to not live for everybody else. I say that all the time to clients is that you only live once. So you should make decisions with that in mind, that you only live once. But, you know, we've been talking about people that, you know, maybe live in the same house, maybe they're in separate bedrooms, maybe they're not, maybe they haven't been intimate in a long time, but they have kids. The people that really 
make me scratch my head even more than all the people we've just been talking about are the ones that don't have children, weren't married all that long, and have been separated for an extended period of time to the point where they can't even tell you what job their spouse has that's living on the other side of the country, and then they still aren't ready to pull the trigger and get divorced. Those people, I, I just don't even understand. I call them the ostriches. Is that what it is? I, they want to just stick their head in the sand and not deal with it. I, like, I just don't want to deal with this now. My life is fine. He's not here. You know, I live on my own. There's, you know, I think sometimes what does push people over the edge to actually take action is some some tremendous level of inconvenience or discomfort. So once their, you know, the level of discomfort gets great enough, that's when they actually do something. So for those people that you're talking about, there's no real discomfort, right? They're not inconvenienced in any way. It's just maybe a nuisance to them. It's just something, but it's easy to put on the back burner. And then before you know it, you wake up and you've been, you've been separated for 10 years and, you know, like you said, if if they have to be inconvenienced by it, um, it's easy to just say, well, I don't want to deal with that right now. So I, I think that still applies even for the other people that are living together and, you know, still in oh, it. it um, when the level of discomfort for them gets great enough, they will do something. And there are... There are fairly significant differences between men and women and the way they look at divorce. I've noticed a lot of men, um, and it, it's a significant number of, of my male clients who have initiated the divorce. I've noticed that a lot of them wait until they found somebody else. And I don't know if that's just a, I, I can't tell you how many of my male clients who initiate divorces who already have a girlfriend. And I don't, and I've always wondered if there's some kind of like male psychology that they feel more comfortable proceeding, knowing that they've got somebody, somebody else. I've always wondered that. That is interesting. I wonder if there's some um, data on that, but that's interesting because I do feel like a lot of people, their fear is that they don't want to be alone. Yeah. And I don't get that. I've spent a lot of time alone. I'm, I'm with somebody now that I've been with for a long time, but I have spent a lot of time alone too. And um, it's not something that I personally can relate to, but I've talked to friends and I have friends that will admit, I don't want to be alone. I like to be with somebody. So. Well, yeah, some people have been taken care of for many, many years. You know, maybe like, I don't want to stereotype, but I'm going to, I just called out men. So I'll use men again, but let's say, talk about a man who, um, you know, lives in New Jersey and works in New York City and every day has gotten up at 6 a.m., gone to New York City for 20 years, come home at 8 o'clock, eaten dinner that their spouse has prepared yeah. them and gone to bed. And and that's been their life. And now all of a sudden they're faced with the prospect of, oh my, I'm going to have to come home and do my own laundry. I'm going to have to make my own food. I'm going to have to you know make sure that the kids get where they need to get on during my time. And they're just not used to dealing with all of that. And I've noticed that that's a source of, of fear that drives a lot of people not to want to get divorced, like from it's that It's all fear. I mean, I think that every single solitary reason that somebody would give you for not getting a divorce is all fear-based. It's all fear-based. I can't think of one excuse I've ever heard that wasn't based in fear. It's fear of, well, I don't know what's going to happen. 
what what is my divorce going to look like? What's it going to look like on the other side? Am I going to regret it? Am I going to be happy? Am I going to have enough money? Are my kids going to hate me? Is my spouse going to hate me? Do I feel, am I going to feel guilty? Am I never going to find someone else? You know, are my parents going to be disappointed in me? It's, it's, and those are just the ones that I'm rattling off or the ones that I hear all the time. There's plenty more. Um, but I, you know, you, you have that consideration with everything you do in life, yeah. right? I mean, you had, hopefully there was some contemplation that went into choosing the person to be married to in the first place, right? Um, what's that going to look like? Or moving, or changing jobs, and quitting one job, going to another. Those are all scary things because our daily lives change, and change really is scary for a lot of people. I think at the core, that's what this all is about. Mm -hmm. Change is scary, no matter what you do. I mean, starting a new job, I I think most people would be lying if they told you they weren't a little scared showing up at a new company that where they don't know anybody and they don't know, you know what the click situation is, what your boss is like, you know, what their boss is like, you know, what the, what people do for lunch, like the, all the things you just don't know about. Yeah, are people going to like me? Am I going to be, like am I going to be the new kid at school sitting at the lunch table all by myself? Yeah. So I mean, you just, but it's also leaving, you know, sometimes I wonder, I, and I don't know the answer, but I wonder, is it the fear of trying something new? Or is it the fear of leaving something that is familiar? Or is it just all kind of together? I don't I, really know. I really th I really think it's much more of the leaving what's familiar. It's kind of like the devil you know kind of situation. Like if you've gotten used to this, this bad marriage for many years, you might have thought, eh, I'm okay with it. You know, it's better it's than the alternative. It's not so bad. It's I know other people have it worse. Well, you know what? There's other people have it better. You but, should think about those people. But what's interesting is they're still coming to our office for a consultation. So they're there. They're on the diving board ready to just be encouraged to either get off the diving board or jump in the pool. Yeah. They're there, ready to go. And I will just say, um, as a final note, I will say that, you know, it's not our goal when somebody comes in to try to talk them into a divorce. We... We have had a lot of coaching, personal coaching in our lives in the past several years and have been introduced to personal development. So we are attuned to coaching and, you know, really trying to dig deep with people to understand where they're coming from. Why are they here? You know, I have told people before, I don't know if divorce if this is a good time for you for a divorce because because I'm not sure that you really want a divorce I think you're unhappy about some things and I would encourage those people to go to counseling so I don't always start out with let's just let's get your money and let's get you divorced um, if I want to do a service for the person so if divorce is what they want and it's what they need then yes I want you to go full force ahead and do that for yourself but if it's not, then I don't think that's a decision you should take lightly. I would recommend going to counseling and trying to flesh those things out. Because maybe what it is that's making you unhappy in your marriage, maybe those are things that you could change or fix somehow. But if it's not, if it's just the person, you're not going to change the person. If this person is, you want him to be someone different, then you want a different person. <laughs> you don't want him. Um, but those are things I try to explore with people when they come in for a consultation. Yeah, you're doing it for yourself. This is really a, 
something that you're trying to help yourself find happiness again because you lost it somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah. Find and, happiness. And by the time you come to our office, this has been going on a long time. Oh, yeah. A long time. And believe it or not, your kids want you to be happy too. They do. And the older they get, the more that they are going to want you to be happy and the less they're even going to be concerned that the divorce happened. I mean, yes, at the beginning, every child's going to be a little upset their parents are getting divorced. But you know what? When they see when they see you have a little bit more of a spring in your step, that you're you know out there experiencing things that you didn't experience before, they're going to be happy for you, and it's going to be a whole new world. Well, what I compare it to is when you have a toddler. You know, when if the toddler trips and falls, their reaction a lot of times is dependent on your reaction. Oh, absolutely. So if you stand yeah. there and go, "Oh my God, are you okay?" and you know the, the mom or dad like rushes over and acts like you know this kid is are you like, bleeding? Is your, yeah, is your needs head to go to the emergency room. <laughs> that kid will start wailing. Oh, yeah. But if you if you say, if you just kind of look at them and go, oh, did you fall down? Like, you know, do the whole baby talk thing. A lot of times they don't cry. It's true. Because they're sort of like, oh, my God, what do I do? Like, they're looking to you to, to show them, you know, how to respond to this situation. And I, I'll say it again, that the way that you and your spouse behave and the way that you act like, you know, you're going off into the world. This is a terrible thing or is this just going to be a productive thing and we're going to make the best of it? That's how they're going to they're gonna handle it, right? And the most important thing is to try to be amicable, especially in front of the kids. They don't want to see the two people that they love most dearly in the world hating each other. That's not, they don't want to see that. that. That's the number one thing. I agree. Well, great conversation. Um... Join us next week for another great episode of Divorce Duo and the Divorce Happy Hour. Um, if you want to get in contact with the show and want to offer some suggestions for topics in the future, feel free to um, visit us on social media. We're on Twitter at NJ Law. You can search for us on Facebook at NJ Divorce Solutions, and you can find us on Instagram at NJ underscore divorce. We'll see you next week.